Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus Last time the Bruins played was Saturday at the Garden on a matinee, and they it was a pretty big showdown considering the recent deadline acquisitions by both the Bruins and the Rangers, albeit neither team was at full strength or full roster capacity for different reasons. But uh, we got to see Tyler Bertuzzi for the first time as a Bruin. We got to see um, Patrick Kane as a Ranger for his second game. Um, so... You know, I, I think I think today's a, a good chance to kind of just break down, finally debrief the the last couple of weeks that were pretty hectic. And now that we have a few days off from Bruins hockey, it's kind of a good chance to just kind of recap what the whirlwind has been. Um, you know, Don Sweeney, one of the guys he picked up the deadline, Dmitry Orlov, was named uh, the first star of the week in the NHL. So I think that may have been a pretty good pickup by the Bruins. I think, but um. Anyway, guys, so just maybe some initial thoughts on the Rangers win. Uh, Bruins beat them 4-2. to two. I don't even know if I said that they beat them 4-2, to two, but they did. Um, and Bertuzzi's first game, first period as a Bruin, got an assist on Coyle's goal. So just your guys' first takes uh, about that game. Yeah, like you said, neither team was quite at full strength, but the Bruins were at least, you know, that could be their game one playoff lineup. You know, they didn't have Taylor Hall or Nick Felino but they also might not have those guys for game one of the playoffs. So Bruins were pretty close to what's full strength for them right now. Uh, you know, Rangers were missing Ryan Lindgren and Keandre Miller on defense. Lindgren a little banged up. Keandre Miller was suspended for spitting on Drew Doughty. Um, but yeah, I thought, you know, Bruins didn't start great. Certainly the first period and even the second but they get up to nothing. Um, take advantage of their chances. Lena Salmark steps up when 
when he was tested. And then the Bruins really took control in the third. And I think you saw that, you know, at least against a Rangers team that's down two defensemen, Bruins clearly better, clearly able to outlast them uh, and, you know, really slam the door shut. I thought Orlov and McAvoy playing together was awesome. They, they were dominant. They got a lot of ice time against the Rangers' top two lines, which are now, you know, as loaded as any team's top six in the NHL. And uh, those those guys didn't get a lot of chances when they were out there against Orlov and McAvoy. So, you know, I think you saw that this version of the Bruins still better than the uh, the high-flying, sexy version of the New Look Rangers. Um, you know, I kind of thought you saw maybe some concerns about the Rangers that, you know, we can get into a little bit where it was like, almost seems like maybe too many mouths to feed. Like they, they didn't really seem to know exactly the best way to get Kane involved, especially on the power play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're going to have time to work that out. But um, yeah, you know, I did kind of wonder, it's like, okay, yeah, they got two really flashy forwards in Kane and, and Tarasenko, but did they, you know, maybe pass on, on adding to other areas because again, I know that defense wasn't their full strength defense, but it's like, boy, that was like Adam Fox and, and four guys like that, you know, there was a, there were a lot of defensemen out there for the Rangers who just didn't really look ready to defend against a team like the Bruins. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, you, you're probably should have made a move for a defenseman when you have to roll out five defensemen. You don't even have a sixth defenseman to roll out two games after the actually I think both games after the trade deadline. So like you come right out of the trade deadline and you're playing down a defenseman in a game, you know, against the best team in the league, um, you know, you're kind of in trouble. And then we also saw the, that Kane really, which is one of the criticisms we had about like the cons of adding Kane was that he doesn't like, he doesn't really care to get back on defense. It doesn't have, you know, either the, effort or the speed or whatever to to get back and play defense and was he was out there on the ice for the shorty um and yeah they've had a hard time figuring out where to put him on the power play because their power play was doing so good and then all of a sudden you think adding Patrick Kane to it you're like wow look at this this is gonna be great um but it actually has kind of just messed with the flow of it so far um, I don't I don't see it being a long term problem for them, but like these were some of the things when we were talking about maybe the Bruins adding Kane that we had questions about um with him and as an addition to a team. So it was just it was interesting. But um to to go to the Bruins additions, um, particularly Bertuzzi because it was his first time getting in, uh he fit in perfectly on that third line. And he plays, you know when you have him opposite opposite wing is Frederick, those two guys, you, you don't want to go into the corners with either of those guys. And, and Charlie Coyle's a, a, you know, a strong forward as well. Like I say, you don't want to go into the corners with Bertuzzi and Frederick because they have that little bit of extra edge to them. But um, you know, that whole line can win board battles that whole line. I mean, did um, Bertuzzi gets, you know, the pass out in front to Coyle, for that first goal of the game and immediately, you know, you see Bertuzzi getting his first point, which seems to be like what's happened with all three guys that the Bruins have added. So you could see the fit right away. Obviously style is completely different than Taylor Hall, um, who he's coming in for, but um, 
yeah, there, there's, it was a good move. It was a very smooth transition for him so far. And he's going to do so much better than he did in Detroit, in Boston. I saw that, and I don't play fantasy hockey. I know Scott does, that he was like trending as like one of the, the top pickups for everybody this week because like he's going from a team that he wasn't able to get as much offense going for. But like everybody who joins the Bruins, just all, all of a sudden they fit in and their their numbers are way better than they were before they came. Yeah, well, in five games, Orloff, I think, has, what, 80% of the points he had all year in Washington or something like that. So it it definitely – going to a team with this depth and structure definitely helps that. As far as the Rangers go, I feel like, on the one hand, I want to say what you guys said, which is they just seem to to lack that two-way presence, especially up front. But – Again, we're talking about two additions in Tarasenko and Patrick Kane, who have both won a Stanley Cup on Garden Ice before with their respective teams. So it's I don't it's not that they're incapable of of playing winning hockey. I just it's for me it's just a matter of are the right pieces around them. And I think in New York right now, I just think it's a little too it is a little too uh, offensive minded. Like it's for me, it's less about. Patrick Kane and Tarasenko's ability to play defense, even though, you know, it's not their specialty, but like I said, they've been parts of winning teams clearly um, and at the Bruins expense. But for me, it's like, can Panarin do what it takes to win? Can Zibanejad do what it takes to win? Can, you know, whatever, just go down their list, Trocek, Kreider, like it's the, the, the kid line. Now Lafreniere had a couple of goals, but neither one was one that would probably happen a second time. They were both kind of fluky. Um, but as it pertains to the Bruins, so like, so like the, did I learn anything about the Rangers and how the Bruins stack up against the Rangers or vice versa? Yeah, I kind of did like the Bruins just play it. They just play a, a meaner, a meaner, more all around efficient style of hockey. And I think that they're better on paper too, um, top to bottom, but Bertuzzi and Frederick and Coyle, they, they fit really well together. Uh, I know it was one game. I know it's tough to, for, for somebody to come in right away and fit in, but you kind of keep it simple. But what I liked about that first goal was just, again, not trying to do too much. Puts the pocket in the area where Frederick's able to go and, and corral it and um, and get in on the four check by, by going with the aerial dump in. And then from there, it was just, it was just basics, basic hockey, really. Do you guys – are you guys kind of pondering to yourselves – if and when Taylor Hall comes back or Nick Foligno comes back, but mainly Taylor Hall, are you concerned that when he comes back, the Bruins are going to be in a situation where they're sticking him on a line where he's had no chance to form chemistry with his line mates? Like, for example, if they if they put Trent Frederick on the fourth line and they do Coyle, Zaka, and Bertuzzi, now, like, does that concern you if it's like, game two or three of the playoffs and it's their first game together. I'm of the mind, good players stick them together. They'll figure out a way. But is that something that you thought about is, or is it just kind of like you haven't, you haven't your mind hasn't gone there yet? Um, I, I've thought about it a little and yeah, I think like the most natural formation would be, you know, go hall, Cole, Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi on your third line, assuming Bertuzzi is comfortable playing on the right side, which I think he's done a little bit in the past. Um, but, you know, I wonder if Montgomery even finds a way to try him there before then, you know, before. I heard, Mon- 
I heard Montgomery in one of his press conferences say he can play any position except for center. Which, yeah. So. Which t- tells me like they are going to want to try him on the right side uh, at some point before Taylor Hall returns. So I don't, you know, right now, like there's a very obvious fit there on the left side with Coyle and, and Frederick, but Montgomery did say he like, he's going to tinker a bit anyways. And things are going to get changed up as guys rest, which Montgomery continues to say, like he is going to do, you know, Bergeron and Krejci, especially like those guys are going to get games off. Uh, I would imagine Marshand and possibly even, you know, Pasternak, like on down the line there, everyone could rotate out at some point. So there's definitely going to be opportunities to tinker and move guys around. Um, but yeah, but you know, the thing about like, if, so you go Hall, Coil, Bertuzzi, it's like that, that seems good on paper, but I also think Coil, I think Coil likes having like at least one bigger body with him, you know, one kind of grinder physical presence. And that's why you've seen him work well with Frederick. You've seen it work when Felino has been on that line. So, you know, like I would be, he- I would be hesitant to move Trent Frederick away from him. Although I did also think Frederick, started to play pretty well as a fourth line center, but then you get into, mm-hmm. you know, is he going on left wing in that line? I would assume no six stays at center. And then, you know, if, and when Felina comes back, you have another issue, like, but they're good. Problems. I think they're, yeah. They're, they're definitely good problems. And we know there can always be another injury or two before then. So, you know, you are getting ahead of yourself a little bit when you start to like wonder about all that. Um, but yeah, but I I feel like Hall Coil Bertuzzi would make sense as as a third line when Hall gets back. But you know, it's also hard to argue against the chemistry that Coil and Frederick have had this year because they have been they have been really good. Yeah, and I guess the the question becomes like when Hall comes back, if Hall comes back, I guess we technically don't know um, what happens with Hathaway. Like you, you add Hathaway for depth and, and you have to, you know, rotate him out of the lineup. If Felino also comes back, um, you don't know, but I uh, just thinking of uh Hall coil Bertuzzi line, <laughs> it's kind of like, it. it's like blowing my mind a little bit because who would have thought that would be a freaking line. Like if you were to tell me, like, say before the Bruins even got Hall, like that that at some point in time we were gonna be watching a Hall Coil Bertuzzi line together, I'd be like, what, what the hell? And I'm, I think well, you're you're crazy. Like it and, doesn't and, sound like a thing that would happen. Well, and you would have assumed that that was like a second line with Krejci out of the picture or something. Like, yeah, to have that like, is yeah, they're really line. taking a stab at this one. Like they're really just throwing everything together. Like, but no, uh, I don't mind that as a line at all. Um, and I think if you have to put Frederick on your fourth line, that's not an issue either. Um, it just becomes like maybe a rotational thing with fourth liners. Like you're rotating either Hathaway or Felino out um, if Felino's back. So, and you know, that also creates a problem if you're Greer, probably not a lot of opportunity. You're losing opportunities if you're Greer as well. Um, if Hall, both Hall and Felino come back, but I want to talk more about the, like the resting because that's now we're finally in the stretch where it seems like you can really start justifying resting more and more people. And 
Uh, there's a few guys on the team that haven't sat a single game, and Pasta's one of them, Bergeron's one of them, but also Zaka and Coyle, um, and Lindholm. So those are all the guys that haven't had a single game off this season, and I feel like of those, obviously Bergeron probably first, but I feel like Lindholm, if you're a defenseman and you're playing the minutes he's playing, like rest him i know he's he's younger and he can he can handle it but um at some point in time getting him some rest would be pretty important yeah and and montgomery did say on monday uh really for the because before when he was talking about the d rotation he had said like you know i don't imagine mcavoy and lindholm being a part of it but on monday he did say that those guys and orlov could be part of it at some point as well uh especially as the back-to-back start to pile up so i do think there will be you know a game or two off for for pretty much everyone honestly like i would be surprised if anyone gets to the end of the season playing every game yeah i mean unfortunately you can't just put everybody in bubble wrap until the playoffs right and like that's that's kind of what that that's the fine line montgomery has to has to has to straddle is like yeah, I'm going to give this guy off or that guy off. But, you know, how much is that really helping these guys in March? Like, I feel like, and I said this last week, but I feel like the outside of the seven man defense and rotation up front, you have two injuries, right? So it's like they're not, they don't really have the luxury of just like sit. I mean, they can record wise if they want to go for it. Um, and I think that there's a time and a place for it, like as as you get down towards the the final couple of weeks of the season. I just think as as we sit here today in early March, I just feel like is a guy really gonna remember, or is his body gonna benefit from having you know a night off against the Oilers on March 10th? You know, a month from now, I don't know. I, I really me, don't know the answer to that. Yeah, to me, I feel like it might be more preventative like especially all these back-to-backs with travel it's like you know even even this weekend for example like if you can save someone a, a flight to detroit and having to play two games in you know 25 hours like go for it because guys are more likely to get hurt if you know if they're tired or or whatever or a little worn down or even banged up from the day before so that's yeah, like the midweek games when, you know, you're off the night before like that, that, yeah, I agree. Doesn't, I don't know what that really does for you, but the back-to-backs, like all these Sundays with travel in between some of them, um, that's where it makes a little more sense to me where it's like, there's actually like a preventative element there of, you know, you're taking guys out of situations where they might be more likely to suffer an injury, strain something, whatever. Yeah, that's a fair point. And, and like, and Bridget, I don't know how you feel, but, like, every time I watch a game, just knowing how strong this roster is going to be at full health going into the playoffs, if they were at full health going into the playoffs, every game I watch, it's just I'm holding my breath. I'm just like, please, somebody don't don't take a shot off the finger like Ryan O'Reilly did. Don't take a shot off the inside of the kneecap like Austin Matthews did. Like, it's because it, after all this time and after everything we've watched this season, for this team to like, and and to be fair, Don Sweeney address certain needs where it's like if somebody does go down, they still have you know 
a very capable roster, but I just I just hold my breath watching these games now because you get to the point where it's like just don't get hurt in a game where you have a 15 point lead on the rest of the league and you're setting all these records and it doesn't really matter what happens until round one game one. Yeah, and you you're seeing like different games where like all right, Bergeron's got stitches on his eye. Krejci's got stitches on his eye. Marshawn leaves the game. Like, it, <laughs> there's been a lot of calls where we're like, okay, close call, close call. Like, Bergeron just almost lost his eye. Like, um, so it's even just stupid stuff like that. But um, I don't have an issue <laughs> resting people. Um, sometimes it, I know it's like some guys aren't probably going to want the rest, but um, I, I think it's it's going to benefit them. Um, obviously, we're still kind of a, a distance out. But what's exciting about that is um, we get to talk about and see some of the prospects and, and other players that have been down in Providence who, who we, at the beginning of the season, like we haven't talked about some of them since like uh, training camp and like uh, preseason and um, guys that, haven't had a chance to get in the lineup because the team is so stacked as we were just kind of talking about. So rotating in some of the guys from Providence. I know I saw McLaughlin, what happened to McLaughlin the other day was really a bloody mess. I don't know if you guys saw the fight he got into. I'm um, fine. Yeah. McLaughlin. Should see the other guy. Doing? Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, you you feeling okay? You got a concussion or something? But um, yeah, yeah so I think I think he got his. I think Mark McLaughlin got his visor punched into his face. I think that's what drew all the blood. But yeah, that yeah, was that was pretty nasty looking. It was ugly. It was ugly. But anyway, um, that's just popped into my mind talking about maybe some of the guys that we might see when people are rotating out. Um. Yeah, I mean, J- Jacob Laugo, you know, he gets called up and scores two goals last week. Like, he looks good right away, and I think he's probably going to get a couple more opportunities. I mean, A.J. Greer barely played three minutes against the Rangers. Like, they they basically rode three left wings for most of that game. So, you know, you kind of wonder. It's like, all right, well, if he's only playing three or four minutes, like, what's, you know, you might as well get Laugo in there and see what he does. Like, if that's if that's all the confidence you have in Greer in, in a pretty big game is to only give him that much ice time, then yeah, you might as well take a look at some other options. And certainly like, I wouldn't want Lauko to sit for a long stretch after that game. He had, you know, someone goes out, scores two goals in their first game after getting called up. Like I think you should reward him. So like I, I would have him in there on Thursday and, you know, see if he can maybe keep some momentum going because he, he absolutely could be part of this at some point. Like he's, you know, with all the injuries, he's your 13th, maybe even 12th if he passes Greer. So, um, yeah, I would give him more opportunities. I don't, you know, I don't know if McLaughlin's going to have to miss any time or, you know, when or if he would get another call up, um, you know, you know, like, you know, Chris Wagner's down. That's someone you probably don't really need to like, call up to give a look to you kind of know what you have there um you know if you need to use him at some point and then after that it's like then you get into like the more skilled guys and it's like well where are they at and you know i don't think they're going to be in the picture this year just because i i think you're probably too late in the season but you know uh obviously i sell the biggest name but georgie merkelov's been on fire in providence i just don't think there's going to be 
an opportunity to like get him a look because it's not going to be like past years where you can, you know, call up like six guys because one, some like the COVID rules allowed, made that a little easier. And two, they don't really have the cap space to make a bunch of call ups. So you really are probably talking about like one or two guys at a time that are going to be able to get a chance. So, um, you know, for now though, Lauko's right there and I would definitely get him another couple games. Yeah, like like you said, Merkulov. I was just looking at the stats. Got forty two points, but then there's Letary as well. Like that's somebody that we always forget, like to talk about when we talk about call ups. Um, yeah, I, I meant to chat. I don't know if he. I don't know how, if he's still out or what exactly the injury situation is because that's a pretty serious injury that he suffered in practice. And I know mm-hmm. you know he's missed quite a bit of time already, and I don't know if he's back yet or what his status is. Also, if we're talking about, and this is a person we used to talk about more in terms of rotating in before the Bruins had so like a deeper defense, but Jack Sean was somebody that we used to talk about like rotating in. Um, who I don't know if you see him at some point other than like the last week of the season. Uh, is Beecher hurt? I don't know. I, I can't uh, say I've been following Province super super closely. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, Ashan's probably too far down the list because, like, even mm-hmm. like Mike Riley would get a chance before yeah. him if you know cap space allows. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.